Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome into the NBA Morning Deuce for Friday, March 26th. The trade deadline has come and gone, people. And as I promised, as I teased, I teased it a week ago. He's the one, he was the one out of the five co-hosts, guest co-hosts that I knew. It's like this, I can count on him. I don't have to text him all week. I don't have to check in. I just know that when I call, the sneaker king is going to have my back when Alex is on vacation and we are joined to break down a an insane deadline. Also, a week after I said it would be a boring trade deadline, Ruben Palacios returns to NBA Morning Deuce. Rube, it's been a while. How are you? What is going on, my friend? It's been a minute. Long, long, long overdue. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be back. I'm, I'm feeling good. Um, I feel you're like feeling good. Day. Wait, hold on. You're feeling good. Cause that I was questioning whether you'd be feeling good. So that's good to hear. Yeah. I mean, I'm feeling good on a personal level. Like, you know, yeah. when, it comes to, when it comes to ball, when it comes to these Lakers, when it comes to the NBA, what I was going to say is I feel like every year, you know, going into the trade deadline, people are like, Oh man, it might be slow. It might be slow. And then it's, it, it never disappoints, man. This is must, this is, this is the time to be alive during the NBA season is the trade deadline. It's the it's best NBA. Day. It's NBA Christmas. Like it's like for a for a Jew like myself who never got to celebrate Christmas, this is it, right? This is basketball is my religion, and trade deadline is Christmas Day. I mean, it's great. I'm and, glad. I'm glad you get to have that emotion of like, oh my God, you wake up and it's like, yo, today's the day. Like, I, I can get that present. My team could get this, and then or you get the little lump of coal, like the Lakers. You know? Yeah. Well, and today and, and, and this, this year, and we'll just jump right into it because this year 
almost more than any other year. Um, well, not I, maybe not any year. Just I don't remember every trade deadline, but literally at 3 p.m., just updating the phone, like on Twitter, just like refresh, 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 refresh. Cause you're, you're waiting. You're like, okay, the two biggest names that we are thought were getting traded at the deadline haven't been traded yet. What's happening. Where is it? So refresh, refresh. And you're just obsessed. So let's start with what we know, as you know, what we normally do is we go through all the games, right? There were five games tonight. So we'll still hit the games, but we'll do it in the context of the trade deadline because nine of the 10 teams who played tonight made a trade. (laughs) So we can go through the games. We can give the final scores. If there's any stories from the games, we could talk about it, but we'll really start with the games. And then we might as well start from who I think most people are considering the biggest winner of the deadline. I have them tied as the biggest winner, but Miami, Miami, they lose again. So this is their, um, this is their fifth straight loss which I guess at this point, if you're a heat fan or if you're like following the heat, you kind of take it with a grain of salt because it's like the whole entire team just got flipped. But um, the heat end up, they trade, they start off the day by trading Mo Harkless and Chris Silva for Nemanja Belica. And then I guess probably this entire week, the assumption was, And especially after the emotional sort of goodbye from Kyle Lowry last night in Toronto, everyone assumes Kyle Lowry's gone. Then throughout the day, we hear Philly's out and then Philly trades for George Hill. And then we hear the Lakers are out and it's like, all right, well, here we go. Three o'clock Lowry's going to be on the heat. And then at three Oh seven Woj hit drops the bomb. Victor Oladipo goes to the heat for Kelly Olenek, (laughs) Avery Bradley, and a 2022 pick swap that won't be conveyed almost assuredly because the Heat will finish better than Houston in 2022. Uh, so the Heat, and then it's worth noting also that they traded Myers Leonard for Trevor Ariza last week. So the Heat essentially made turn Myers Leonard, Mo Harkless, Chris Silva, Kelly Olenek, and Avery Bradley into Trevor Ariza, Nemanja Bielitsa, and Victor Oladipo, who's a guy who's been, uh, you know, linked to them, and they don't have to sign an extension. It's basically like approve it three months. It's like, hey, we're coming here, so you're going to get the best whatever's left of Victor Oladipo. If you're the Heat, you're getting the best version of him because he's trying to get an extension. It's, a, it's a pretty remarkable. Well, and too, the Heat team doctors get to look at him. You know what I mean? And and they get to evaluate him in house to determine if he should be part of the future, you know, alongside Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. And, you know, like you said, like it wasn't any secret that, that Victor Oladipo has been flirting with the heat for, it feels like two years now. And you, you've had crazy like rumors come out during this time frame where like during games, he'd be like, yo, come get me, come get me. And you know, that, that, <laughs> yeah, that's, I remember so that. Cra- that's so crazy to me. And, and he's finally in Miami. That feeling when three o'clock hit and that information wasn't out yet and you didn't know whether Lowry was still in or out. Like it it was crazy because those were the two throughout the entire week leading into the trade deadline that everyone felt most confident about, you know, the biggest of insiders felt most confident, like, yeah, these guys are getting moved. Um, And for, for Victor Oladipo to end up in Miami 
after everything. You know, he's been traded twice already this season. This is going to be his third team. I saw this earlier today that he's the last player to average 20 points a game in a season and end up on a third team was Rasheed Wallace, 03-04. That's crazy. The Pistons, and the Pistons won the championship that year. So it, 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 it's wild. It's wild. Um, I, I like the move for the Heat. They're, they're one of my winners. I don't think they're my biggest winner because you still have to see it on the court. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of the players that made such a huge difference for them last year, like they just haven't figured it out this year. It just hasn't started to click for them. So I, I got to see it on the court. But the, the way they do, I, I love that organization. You know what I mean? I'm not a Heat fan, but there's, there's nothing that you can see how that organization functions from top to bottom. Like, you know, shout out the Godfather, shout out Power, Pat Riley. Like, they get things done. They, they, they've shown you year in and year out that they can turn nothing into something. So I'm, I'm excited to see what, what this team could be. Yeah, it's remarkable. Like, I think it was Zaz, Jonathan Zaslow who tweeted, like, does, does there, is there any executive in the league who consistently year in and year out just gets something for nothing the way Pat Riley does every year? It's pretty true. Um, and, and to your point about the pieces, the important pieces not really clicking, I guess if you're going to, if we're going to break down anything from this Heat Blazers game, the Heat ended up losing 125, 122. And that's first, Jimmy Butler didn't play, Goron didn't play. Obviously, they don't have the guys that they traded for. But Tyler Hero looked like a guy who uh, knows he's not getting traded. Like, this is probably the best game he's had all year. Confidence wise, he just looked like the Tyler hero that people have been wanting to see. And it it can't be a coincidence that it comes, you know, the trade deadline day now that he knows he's not going anywhere. It's pretty clear that this thing has been weighing on his mind a little bit. Now, Duncan Robinson, I'm not, uh, not positive. Like, um, you know, he, he, uh, he shot the ball. Okay. But like, he still doesn't, he still doesn't, he still hasn't really put it together. He shot the ball much better tonight, but Tyler played great and Kendrick Nunn played great. There's two guys, two young guys who this entire week had no idea where they were going to be at three o'clock today who looked a lot better. So maybe we'll start to see them flourish a little more in the second half, but then you also have to consider how much of their touches and minutes are getting taken by the guy coming in. I'd like to, well, I just want to say Tyler Hero's confidence should be sky high at every waking moment, like from the second he wakes up to the second he goes to sleep. Because I'd like to have a conversation with any Heat executive, whether it be Andy Ellisberg, Pat Riley, whomever. Who would you trade Tyler Hero for? Who would you include him in a package for? Because, you know, I'm glad that they landed Victor Oladipo and I'm glad that they've gotten these little pieces. And, you know, they might end up with LaMarcus Aldridge too now, now that he's been bought out by the Spurs. And yeah, it sounds team, like it sounds like that's coming pretty soon. Right. So this team, you know, in a, in a matter of two weeks from the time that they added Trevor Ariza and, you know, now Vic, you know, you might end up with a Marcus Aldridge. Like they, they've reconstructed a team where the Heat kind of swung and missed in the offseason. You know, their, their big, you know, pie in the sky was Giannis and this and that. And, and they didn't really end up you know, a team that went to the finals, they didn't really end up adding any pieces that had made a difference. And some of the pieces that were core haven't clicked. So there were rumors when James Harden wanted out of, out of uh, Houston that, okay, well, Tyler Hero's not in this deal. Tyler Hero's Tyler Hero needs the ball now. 
He needs to ball. Mm-hmm. Like he needs to see that this team, like this team has all the confidence in him for sure. Like they, they see him as a, as a future. They see him as a piece of the future. You know what I mean? And, and he's shown it on the biggest stage as a, as a very, very young guy. So, so I don't, ha- I don't have a doubt that, that he can turn it around this year, but he's, he's, he hasn't been able to figure out his jump shot. You know, the, the two best shooters on this team haven't, haven't been able to figure out their strokes this year. So it's, 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 it's been pretty wild to, to see. I've been more concerned. I'm with you. I like, that I think Hero was bound to get it together because of his confidence. I've been more concerned watching Duncan Robinson this year. He just doesn't look good. And we know he's he should be a great shooter. But we hear this, you know, this happens with players sometimes where we always say they're a great shooter, they're a great shooter, they're a great shooter. And then they're shooting like 37, 38%. And you're like, well, how long can you say someone's a great shooter when they had one great season? And then they shot in the, the mid to high 30s. So I'm not saying he can't get back what he had, but I'm just saying the way he's played this year has been a little bit concerning. So we'll see. But he, Tyler, yeah, I'm not worried. Their second unit now is pretty – I don't know what the starting lineup's going to look like, but no matter what, I, I actually think they're going to put Bielitsa in the starting lineup and have Ariza come off the bench. But then you have – and then I, I, I wonder, like, will Vic start at the point because Jimmy Butler isn't, you know, it's weird. Like Duncan Robinson won't come out of the starting lineup. No. Um, so they'd probably start Old Depot at the point. So then you have Goran Dragic, Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn, Trevor Ariza all coming off the bench and probably LaMarcus Aldridge too. And that's pretty deep. I've seen, so from a lot of the, the Heat Twitter people that, that I'm very confident when I follow them, I, I've seen a lot of people, you know, sliding LaMarcus Aldridge next to Bam in that starting lineup. Either way, uh, I, I've seen that too, but I, I just don't see it. I, I think, I think you may see Precious in the G League pretty soon, and Lamarcus Aldridge being the backup five. Right. Either way, like you said, like that bench unit is stacked, and and Spo is one of these coaches who loves, 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 loves keeping a stacked bench unit at all times. Like he, like he'll he'll put in he'll put in the third stringer in the starting lineup before he messes up what his second unit does. Um, I don't so, even yeah. think I mentioned Iggy. Did I? You did not. <laughs> That's pretty wild. I mean, think about the the defensive lineups that this team can roll out now with with Ariza and Oladipo out. And I mean, you could if let's say you're up by like 10 against any team in the fourth quarter and you just roll out Vic, Jimmy Butler, Andre Godala, Trevor Ariza and bam. That's pretty absurd. It's a pretty insane defensive lineup. Yeah. Go get me a stop. Go give me a stop. No, that's that's yeah. perfect. Or just like, all right, guys, there's five minutes left. We're up 10. Don't let them score. Like, no, no points. That's the challenge right now. No points for the rest of the game. <laughs> that's a lineup that could potentially do it. It's crazy. Um, for the Blazers who won this game on a foul at the la- on the last possession. And I saw a lot of people complaining that the refs called a foul at the end of the game like that. It, Sorry, guys. It's Damian Lillard. It was a foul, and it's Dame. I mean, I tweeted, like, the unfortunate reality is there's, like, a handful of guys in the NBA that are going to get that call at the end of a game, and Dame is one of them, especially because Dame is known as, like, Dame time is is officially minted as a thing among everybody, and referees know it too. And Ariza did foul. So it is what it is. Dame gets it done. But the Blazers made a deal today too that made – 
not, I mean, look, I, I like Norm Powell and I, he's having a very good year. And, but I don't think, I, I don't think I like him as much as the, I guess you could call them like the ingrained NBA media likes him, like the stat head NBA media guys. Cause I saw some NBA guys being like, what a move for the Blazers. And I looked at this move and I saw, okay, the Blazers traded Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood for Norm Powell, who they're going to have to pay $20 million a year to keep in free agency. And I thought they just traded two cheap Norm Powells for one expensive Norm Powell. Like that was my reaction to that trade. It's just like, does it make the Blazers that much better? Maybe Norm Powell's better than what I thought, but they also have to take into account this run that he's been on over the last 10 or so games has been during one of the worst stretches the, the Raptors have had in like 10 years. Yeah, I think I'm more on your side on this than I am on the stat head NBA media side of it. Like, I think Norm Powell is a very good player and like he's he's a championship pedigree player. Like there's, I, I believe in that. Like there's a sense like if, if a player has proven to you that he can be a core essential part contributor to a championship team, like there's, there's intrinsic value when it comes to that. But my thing is, when I saw it, I was like, I was, I was surprised to the sense where I was like, oh, like I thought, I thought the Blazers might have been higher on Gary Trent Jr. than, than, you know, what they really. Gary's were. good, man. Like he, he could go to the Bla- to the Raptors, who are a bad team right now, and put up the same numbers that Norm Powell was putting up, and then the, then the Raptors are gonna have to make a decision where they have to pay him twenty million dollars. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the dude is 22 years old. He's averaging 15 points a game and Gary Trent. Shooting, yeah, and he's shooting 39% from three. He's shooting 39% from three on seven attempts a game. Like, and trust me, every time the every time the Lakers play the Blazers, like I'm terrified of Damian Lillard, but I'm very scared of Gary Trent Jr. because I've seen this dude drop buckets on us. Absolutely. You know, I, I didn't think like this just didn't seem like the move that and Norm's 27. So this deal is his deal. Like this next deal he gets is probably his last big deal. Like this is it. He's in his prime right now. Um, But like, yeah, wing scores and shooting has never seemed to be the issue for Portland. Like the issue for Portland is front court. That's why they were linked to Aaron Gordon and, and potentially maybe getting LaMarcus Aldridge back on the buyout, like that type of thing. But this came out of nowhere to me. Um, So it was weird. I mean, kudos to the Raptors because everything else that happened for them today was a shit show. Uh, but I, I mean, they get Gary Trent who's young and Rodney hood, who's still pretty young and has potential too. So uh, yeah, this was a weird deal for me for the Blazers, but you know, it, it is what it is. I guess it shores up your lineup maybe a little bit because you, you know, you have instead of two wings that you're trying to figure out the minutes with now you have the one guy and you know, and they must really be committed because I don't think you're bringing in a guy like that giving up two pieces uh, like Gary Trent, who I didn't even realize he was still only 22 years old, unless you're planning on paying Norman Powell. And then, but if you're the Blazers and you're planning on playing Norman Powell, this team's you're not going anywhere ever. Right. Like, I mean, look, Damian Lillard, I believe I love me some Damian Lillard. I love Damian Lillard, but yes. if you have Dame, and I love CJ too, but if you're paying Dame big money, you're paying CJ big money, and then you're going to give, you know, Norm whatever third contract on a team big money is, like, that's not a championship team. Yeah. Let me tell you, let me ask you this. Would you agree, because I was thinking about this, because I talk about Dame on here constantly, 
Um, and, you know, everybody does. He's Dame. But would you agree that he has entered or is, is getting ready to enter into the Allen Iverson stratosphere of like likable NBA players in terms of like no one on the planet dislike like everyone likes him or loves him. No one, you, you don't hear negative about him. I think he's entered that stratosphere where he's like, he's must watch every night and he's super likable and everybody's just a fan of Damian Lillard. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. Like every time I think of Damian Lillard, I think of that, that Snoop Dogg, uh, Michael Rappaport clip where they're just like in the heat of the moment, he doesn't miss and like yeah. stuff like that. Like he's so good, bro. He's so fun to watch. Like he's so likable. Like he's personable. He's, he's on social media interacting with people. Like he just seems like the type of dude who like, like if you grew up with Damian Lillard, you're like, yo, like here's Dame. Like, and he still mm-hmm. seems like he, he just doesn't seem like a big time guy. He doesn't seem like, you know, the, the, your typical. And again, it's, it's logical to be a super famous person and have a big ego and feel like, you know, like your level, like it's, it's levels to things, but like, he just seems like a very cool guy. Like I, I love that comparison. At first I thought you were going to say like, you know, like, is, is he in the Allen Iverson level? Like we're talking about on the, on the court. I was like, man, like, I don't, I don't know. Like Damian, when Lillard, it's all said and done, he might be right. 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 But especially um, if he could somehow limp this team to a finals appearance at some point in his career. I mean, he's, he's gotten him to the Western conference finals before. So like it, it you know, a couple of those shots mm-hmm. in that, in that stage. And, and, you know, if, if, if they finally get the right pieces around him like that's I feel like we always come back to this like I feel like they were so close what what was it two three years ago when they were in the conference finals mm-hmm. and and obviously what they ran into the the tail end of the Warriors there yeah, but and then they blew it up as the Warriors were blowing it up yeah we talk about sense. that all the time on here yeah um all right well elsewhere the two team the two other teams that were in the Kyle Lowry sweepstakes played each other tonight Philly and the Lakers Lakers lose by eight. We'll start with Philly. They end up trading for George Hill. I got a text from Alex. Loves the deal, which is not surprising. I, I'm sure Philly fans are going to love whatever deal. You know, George Hill is a good backup. So, I, you know, it is what it is. Um, I wouldn't call them a winner or a loser in this situation. I guess you kind of win because you they were going to give up a lot for Kyle. And I, again, I love Kyle Lowry. I don't know that Kyle Lowry was making any team like taking them over the top to be a championship team. I think it, it could have potentially depending on fit, but you are taking a risk giving up Maxi and Ty and Thibel to get Lowry when you don't know how it's going to fit. So they hold on to two young guys. They get George Hill, who's a good backup and a winner just known, you know, he goes to the playoffs. He's always, I think he's been in the playoffs every year of his career. So it's a good move for them. Uh, the Lakers, Lakers, you have them as one of your losers for the deadline. They don't make a move, which are, are they a loser because they didn't make like, did you really, were you really anticipating them doing something? And is it because of the injuries or did you, do you just think that they, they need something to, to, to shake it up a little bit? It's, I mean, it's a combination of it. I think, I think the situation is amplified because of the injuries. Like, I think if you erase these injuries, I think they'd be the either the one or two seed out west. But well, yeah, sure, yeah, of course, right. But they they still have holes. You know what I mean? Like they lost Dwight and they lost Javale McGee, and you know, bless his heart, Marcus saw 
he 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 can do what they want him to do, but there's another role there. There's another 15 to 20 minutes there for someone to fill a need of, you know, defensive anchor. And it's it's just so gaping when AD's not around and Montrezl Harrell's not that guy. Montrezl Harrell is, you know, that the energi- energizer bunny big, mm-hmm. just like Dennis Schroeder is the ener- energizer bunny small. So I think it's amplified because of the injuries. Um, I... I hate when they get put in these positions and, you know, this is their second quiet deadline in a row. Like they were quiet last year and people were like, Oh, you know, they're, they're big losers. And they ended up being a huge winner in the buyout market with Marquise Morris. Um, I think they get put in these positions where it's like, Oh, they don't want to give up this person for, you know, Kyle Lowry. Okay. If they don't want to give up THT, Taylor Horn Tucker for Kyle Lowry, like you're the Lakers. You know what I mean? Like you're the mm-hmm. Lakers. The whole reason, the whole reason you end up with a THT in a second round and you develop him into a guy who plays 18 minutes a game on a team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis is to to move him for another asset. You know what I mean? That's like, fair. Yeah. I, I, I love THT. I think it's great. And and they've done a great job over the years developing talent, identifying talent, and and, and making these guys players. But I think they're a loser in that sense that they need to understand that they're on the opposite side right now of where everyone in the West is momentum wise. And there's teams under them that made moves to get better. There's teams that they consider their competitors teams that they consider that they're going to have to go through that made moves, you know, like I'll, we'll talk about it, but I think the yeah. nuggets, the nuggets are the biggest winner and you know, they're up there. They're, they're, they're up there. And it's just, you're out West. You're the defending champs. Like, I, I expected something, you know? Well, what I mean? Do you like, think, caught, what about Drummond? Is that going to happen? I think that would fill their biggest void. You know Isn't I mean? the report like, that they're the favorite to land? Uh, them with the, I mean, the, the Nets, you know, if anyone like me and you could hit the buyout market and someone from the Nets will call us. But yeah, like yeah, if, that's true. If, if the Lakers land them, I, I'll be happy. You know what I mean? I, I, it's one of those things that as of right now, post-trade deadline, before, you know, the real buyout market things develop, I think they're a loser. If they end up with Drummond, I think that that solves a lot of their problems because you you slowly, you'll get LeBron back, you'll get AD back, and they're still, you know, a top two defensive team in the league given given their circumstances. So you add that guy, you add Drummond, um, and, and I think the, they're, they're in that same – you know, top four contenders to, to win the chip. Like it still has to go through them with him, but we'll 20, 28 minutes ago, Chris Haynes tweeted, Andre Drummond will listen to pitches from New York, Los Angeles, both Los Angeles teams, Boston and Charlotte. Oh, Charlotte. Charlotte's a, Charlotte's a four seed in the East right now. <laughs> like, yeah, but they're, they're like a game and they're, they're like a game and a half from like the 11th seat or something. Like you know what I think happens a lot in Charlotte, having been there. Um, I think MJ remembers guys that people tried to convince him to draft that he passed up on, and then when they become available, he's like, "Ooh, now's the, now I can get them." Or free agents like that's where the Gord- now Gordon Hayward worked out for them this year but we tried to sign Gordon Hayward when I was there to an offer sheet. And then he went back to Utah. 
So I think this year when they overpaid him, it was like, yes, you know, I took that personally, that whole thing. And I, and, you know, I see, I see like this drumming them trying to go get drumming. And I'm like, yeah, well, I remember scouts in our draft room that were like, drumming's a guy, drumming's a dude. And we passed up on him, you know? Um, so that's the only thing I can think of why Charlotte really would, I don't know why he would want Charlotte, but you know, I just, uh, just the, the little light bulb went on in my head. Um, Andre Drummond is one of the, the few guys in the league who wears Jordan retros on the court every day. So, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe there's a little listen package under the table there. And I can, and I would, but then I also tell you this, he's not a Jordan brand guy, is he? No. MJ notices that shit. I tell, I'm telling you right now, MJ knows that Drummond's wearing Jordans on the court and he's not a Jordan. Like he knows that. And he probably loves it. He loves it. Like, I'm not paying him and he's wearing the shoes. Love it. Love this guy. So eh, maybe that's what it is. Um, yeah, no, I think that would be a good move for the Lakers. We'll see what happens. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else, at least big. Oh, the other name I've heard for them that I pray for your fandom and for your team that it doesn't happen is Hassan Whiteside. Because then you could just wow. basically, you could you could just... And you could just call it a season right there. You're not winning. Yeah, I mean, they, listen, the Lakers, what the Lakers did last year in getting J.R. Smith his second ring, again, Deion Waiters' his first ring, was was remarkable. And I don't think history builds it up enough. But I, I don't know that they have the, the infrastructure. I don't know that Frank Vogel has the capability of making Hassan Whiteside, like, that missing piece like i don't i don't, I don't no you it. can't you can't listen there's no redemption here like i we, we all love the redemption stories and we're going to talk about javel mcgee and you just mentioned Dion waiters and these guys like nick young getting a title when he was at the, like with golden state but like it's 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 not in the cards for us on white side okay it's just not like the the kings just traded for fiondu cabin okay they're gonna cut they're probably going to buy out Whiteside so that Fiondu Cavangeli could be their backup center. And they, they, they scored 141 points tonight against the Warriors and Hassan Whiteside didn't play. There's correlations to this. Like Hassan Whiteside doesn't play for your team. You're better. So I just hope for your, the point is I hope for your sake that it is Drummond and it's not Whiteside because the Lakers, they, at this point with where they could potentially fall in the standings this year, can't afford to have anything go wrong their way because how, like, where's your concern level right now? Obviously it's concerning the injuries, but even just weathering the storm of the injuries though, with how tight the race is in the West, what is your concern level? I mean, on a one to 10, it's like a solid seven, 7.5. Like you have to be concerned. Like, you know, they're, any team, dude, like any team, you take the top two players off of any team and it's concerning. You know what I mean? Like you, you take Jokic and Jamal Murray off, uh, off of the Nuggets, it's concerning. You take Kawhi and PG off the Clippers, it's concerning. So it's it's concerning. Like, you know, and, and the thing is, it's not like, oh, AD's coming back tomorrow. He's coming back next week. Oh, LeBron's, you know, the, the, both of their injuries are injuries that you just have to give it time. Like you have to let them rest up and you have to let them come back in, in the, the, the healthy process of it all. So it's, it's concerning. Um, you know, they, 
they didn't play bad tonight against the 76ers. You know, it was a tie game at half. You know, Kuz had a good game. You know, Schroeder needs to get it together. Harold played really well in the fourth quarter when they almost had to come back, but they just don't have enough pieces. They don't have enough pieces to 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 initiate offense. They don't they don't have enough pieces to stay creative at all times. You know, they they can still lock down defensively, and I'll, I'll give Frank Vogel and that staff credit for that. But they they need their guys back. It's it's super concerning. Like I, yeah. an, another month without their both top guys, like. They, they could be an eight seed. I mean, yeah, it'd be the scariest eight seed of all time. But It's not even it's, just two top guys. It's the two top five players in the planet. It's the right. best player in the planet. And then another guy who's a top five player in the planet. So, yeah, of course. Um, all right. Well, the other L.A. team, they played the Spurs tonight. They made it a move. Um, they're one of my losers, to be honest. The Clippers are one of my losers. They trade Lou Will and two second-round picks for Rondo. Uh. So they, they got like, I love Rondo. Don't get me wrong. Like I like Rondo better than Pat Beverly, uh, but it just, they didn't get better. They didn't get better. Defense is not really the, I know they're, they've been playing bad defenses here, but defense is not really their concern. They got less, you know, like coming into this, like coming into this whole Clippers thing, it was like, man, when they got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, is like, how is anybody going to stop Lou Will now? And now he's gone. Trez is gone. It had two of the top three six men of the year, like voting last year, they're both gone. Rondo, the, the I mean, look, I, I, this trade makes no sense to me. I, I just don't get it. Lou Will hasn't been good this year, but um, I'm not. I just don't see other than leadership. I guess. But if you have to trade for leadership at this point in this experiment, you're in big trouble, big trouble. Yeah. I hope, I hope, I hope you're right on that sense that it, that it's something other than leadership, because that's what I came down to when I saw it too. Like, like, I, and I know Kawhi had like some pointed comments, you know, like a few weeks ago, like mm-hmm. about them needing consistency, consistency. Man, yeah. and it would, if this team doesn't, if this team doesn't make the Western Conference Finals this year, something's gonna happen. But, dude, like Rondo hasn't been. Rondo was good in the playoffs for the Lakers last year, you know. And I, I think I came on the pod and I literally, I formally apologized to him and all that. But, uh-huh. but he he was bad during the regular season, and he's been bad during this regular season. The times that he's been on the court, and he and and he hasn't been on the court much. Right, right, and and you know what I mean, like. Lou Williams, Lou Williams hasn't been great. And he's, he is a turnstile on defense, and, but he's always been that. But like pe- people look at Rondo's resume and they see, you know, they see the defender that he used to be like, Rondo's not that defender. Like Rondo for the Lakers last year, like what he was, was a second offensive initiator for a team who lacked offense when LeBron wasn't on the court. Yep. And that that clicked for him during the playoffs to the extent where they 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 raised his minutes where he was even more on the court with LeBron. I don't I don't see I don't see that. Like, are you gonna have him on the court with with either one of you know Kawhi and PG? Like he's gonna take the ball away from those guys. Like I, you're right, I don't get it. I didn't put him on my losers list, but but it it, it it's a head scratching move, bro. It's a head scratching move. They're just on my I think they're just on my loser, like just my losers list in like in general 
not even just trade deadline. They, I think they're just a, a team of losers. And, and it's, describe? I understand that Kawhi is a champion and whatever, but this team just seems like a team of losers. Have you ever seen like a fade from one year to the next? Like the in just like hype and momentum that from, from the Clippers from last year to this year? Like no, last year it was like Clippers this, Clippers this, Clippers this. And I mean, obviously, rightfully so, like they won the offseason. But like this year, like they're just an afterthought. And then they're, yeah. they're good. They're a good team. But people are, I think people are way, 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 way down on Kawhi Leonard just in general. And that's part of, that's, that's, that's the hype. Like getting Paul George was great because they got Kawhi Leonard coming off of a championship. But after the way it went down in the playoffs last year, I think a lot of people are just way down on Kawhi. They are a good team, but I think in a similar way to like the way no one trusts that the Bucks can get it done in the playoffs. I think people look at this Clipper team and they're like, yeah, they're, they're going to win a ton of games and they're super talented, but um, they have a penchant for blowing big leads. And if you can get a big lead on them, they just give up. Like it's a bad recipe and they don't play. Like I think their their best lineups have only played like nine or 10 games together this year because either Paul George or Kawhi sits every other game. And eventually that comes back on you in the playoffs too. Like it just, I don't get it. I don't get it. I saw their, their game the other night when, when Ty Lue benched their starters, that was the best they've looked all year. And it was Terrence Mann and Luke Kennard. It was pretty, I mean, Terrence Mann, love him, but come on, you know? Yo, Terrence Mann, I mean, this was cool just today that he, mm-hmm. he has Rondo kept thing. a Rajon Rondo card in his wallet since middle school. Like, see, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, he, he must have gone to the GM and told them, hey, let's trade for him. Did you, did you hear him tell why he had that? It was, so basically, I guess, when he was in seventh grade, um, the day someone gave him that card, like someone gave him the card when he was in seventh grade. And that day he made his A team for his AAU. Like he made it onto his A team for his AAU team. And I guess in seventh grade, he was like, oh, it's got to be because of the card. And he kept it. And then I guess he was like, he's like, ever since I kept it, I just kept getting better at basketball. And he's like, well, I guess it must be the card. I'm going to the NBA. <laughs> and then he's just kept it ever since. Pretty cool. I mean, it makes sense. I would have kept it too. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Yeah. Um, the Spurs made a trade today, and this is a rare case of a trade happening with a player that I've literally never heard of in my life. Literally, I didn't even, I don't, when Chris Haynes, Chris Haynes was the one who reported it. And I just, I thought it was like, I thought he was just like trolling just to see if people realized that it was a fake trade. 
Uh, it ended up being a three-way deal where the Spurs got Marquise Chris from the Warriors. The Hornets got Brad Wanamaker from the Warriors. And the Warriors got Caddy, C-A-D-Y, Caddy, Lalane, L-A. L A N N E, Caddy Lalane, who I haven't even looked up. I don't even know if it's a real person. Yeah, that's not a real person. I've I can't remember the last time there was a trade because even a lot of times when these um when these trades happen with these guys who've been overseas for a while, I remember like especially the Spurs, like they'll draft. They've been doing this for years where they draft a guy who's a Euro player and then they stash him for years. And I'm like, oh yeah, I remember when that guy was like a hype. Or this and that. I've never heard of this guy. He played at UMass. He's not even a foreign player. He played in Division One college basketball. Well, he's never played an NBA minute, so I don't, he's I playing for the Changwon LG Sackers, which I think is a Korea League team. Yep, Korean basketball. Caddy Lalane, legend. Caddy Lalane. Like, why does that happen? Like, why? I don't know, man. I'm telling you, it's just pop, man. Pop. You've been inside a team structure. Like, where, how does, how does, like, in that room or in the, listen, hold on. First of all, you're playing pretty fast and loose with saying I've been inside of a team structure. I spent five years with the Hornets. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Let's, let's call, let's be realistic here. So I've never, been inside the mind of a Greg Popovich, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like it was it, when, when you were with the Hornets, everyone was a caddy Lane. That's what I'm saying. There's a lot of caddy. There is a lot of cat. So wait, okay. Then, okay. Finish your question. Sorry. I interrupted. You're saying like, how do we, how do they find these guys? Is that what you mean? Yeah, like how does, how do the Spurs go or who, whoever like, look, caddy Lane is in the trade. And how does the how does the guy on the other side of the phone not go? Like, are you are you kidding me right now? Like, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, those are the times where it doesn't make any sense to me. That and like sometimes like I'll get stuck in the transactions tab on like a basketball reference, and it'll be like, you know, the the draft pick that the the Lakers traded in twenty twelve, and it ended up being traded nine times, and it yeah. ended up being this guy, and you're like, you're like, oh man, this dude right here ended up being the guy that. That fascinates me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that. I mean, the only explanation here, obviously, is that the Warriors had Marquise Chris just filling up cap space. And by trading for a guy who's not even in the country, they, the, the salary is even out, but he doesn't count against the cap because he doesn't actually play in the NBA. So they actually, you they just, knows, do you think Caddy Lane knows that he's been traded today? Um, well, I'm guessing he plays in South Korea, right? So he's allowed to have like a cell phone and internet. <laughs> like, so he might, yeah. Um, but I don't know how that works. <laughs> um, the Knicks-Wizards was the last game tonight. Knicks get another win. They're fun. Um, Wizards traded Mo Wagner and Troy Brown and got back Daniel Gafford and Chandler Hutchinson, which is it's fine for them. Those are both two young, interesting players. The Knicks traded Austin Rivers away and got Terrence Ferguson, who noted notably on this show, Alex has noted how he is one of the worst statistical players in NBA history. So good for the Knicks. And just when you think things are getting good for them. 
Um, all right, let's talk about the rest of the deals because we've gone like 40 minutes and we haven't, we've only really talked about the what the one of the biggest deals of the day. We haven't really talked about the other ones. So I'll give you outside of the heat, my biggest winner is the Bulls. Um they obviously their big deal was they got Nick Vucevic from Orlando. They traded, they gave up Wendell Carter, Otto Porter, and two first round picks, which I think is an absolute steal for the, for the bulls. Otto Porter probably gets bought out. It wasn't playing for the bulls. Anyways, Wendell Carter is a guy who, whether he pans out or not, the bulls had seen enough and it's been noted from them that they just are not, they were pretty much done with that experiment. They get a legit all-star who's having a career year without giving up any of their best players. Literally, they didn't have to give up Patrick Williams. They didn't even have to give up marketing who they were almost able to flip for Lonzo Ball. Like they didn't have to give up Kobe White. They didn't. They didn't mortgage any of their future core, which looks really good, and I think they're really ahead of schedule. And added a an all star center in his prime for basically nothing. And then they also somehow ended up with Daniel Tice, who is not anything special. But now that he's not a starter, he's actually a very good bench role player. Yeah, I thought they – I think the Bulls crushed it, especially in a year where even though they're not in the playoffs at the moment, they are easily a playoff team to me right now. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. Like getting Vooch was a huge, huge move and not giving up any of those young guys. Like they have so many young dudes like that almost seemed like expendable. Like, okay, like, you, you know, you could throw one of these guys in there. You could throw a – give me a Kobe White or give me a market in, in, in a deal for someone. And they didn't have to do any of that. And it's been one of those things where like they've kind of been creeping up on people all year. And this is kind of a team where ever since Derrick Rose got hurt, they've kind of like not known what to do and they've kind of stumbled about um, getting, getting Vooch and putting him next to Zach Levine and having Kobe white, who's a walking bucket and marketing who's, who's proven that he, that he's, you know, at least a, 15 to 18 point scorer too, who has length, who can shoot from deep. And, and like you said, adding ties to, to a role where he doesn't have to just be somewhere where he shouldn't be is huge. Like, I think, I think this team could be kind of what like people thought the Hawks were going to be before the season. It's a, that's a great, that is a great call. And even though the Hawks are playing really good now, but I don't know that I buy them yet, but it's a great call because the combination of like the youth and then bringing in the, like the role-playing veterans, like they, cause like, you know, everyone was so high on the Hawks bringing in Rondo and Gallo and Bogdanovich, the bulls have now the bulls, the bulls have Thaddeus young who's been there and he's quietly having one of the best years of his career. Sadoransky, who they brought in last year or a year before who played pretty well for them. And now they bring in Daniel Tice, um, and Garrett Temple they brought in who's actually had who's played pretty well for them. Like that's a great call too because the Hawks don't have a player on their team as good as Zach Levine, that's for damn sure. <laughs> you know. Right. Um and they have better well I, I like I actually really like Nate McMillan as a coach but I I think Billy Donovan's starting to prove that he is on a, a pretty different level as a coach in the NBA. Like he's asserting himself because I I did question coming into the season like He's only coached first ballot Hall of Famers his whole time in the NBA. How would he do with a rebuilding situation? And they're not rebuilding. 
And to your point about the Derrick Rose thing, like they've been lost. This is their first year with Art Turner's Karnaschovas as their GM. Like up until now, it's been Garpax, which is, a, you know, been a failure at every turn. So this guy, Karnaschovas, has, I mean, what a turnaround from one year. I thought they were at least a year or two away. And they're, they're a year or two away probably from competing at for anything, but they're, they're a playoff team. And I wouldn't want to play them. No, I mean, and, and the, the way, the way Zach Levine has taken off this year, like it feels like every other day where he's like, he's hitting some sort of number, some sort of benchmark. That's crazy. Like you, you, you know, pe- people kind of were, were, were sleeping on him. Like they've, he's, he's one of these guys, like there's another thing with young players in the NBA, like you're expected to develop so fast. And if, and if you don't let, if you don't fall in the right spot and you don't develop right away, you, you, you kind of get written off and he's been written off. Like, you know, yeah. no one, no one, no one was expecting that. And I mean, look at the Timberwolves right now and look at Zach Levine shining. Like it's crazy. Unbelievable. Yeah. He, he's super talented. I've talked about it on here a lot, like how there's very few guys with his offensive skill set in the NBA, uh, especially at his size and his athleticism. So yeah, they, they look good at getting Vooch is such for, for nothing, basically. They also got Troy Brown Jr., who I really like, who is just going to be a random, nice energy role player off their bench. So oof, good for them. Um, your biggest winner, I think you mentioned, is the Nuggets. They get my sleeper of this entire trade deadline, JaVale McGee. And then they pull off the deal for Aaron Gordon and give up what Gary Harris and a pick or something like n- nothing crazy. Um, talk about it. I mean, I, I love, I like it. I, I really like Aaron Gordon. I think he, you know, right now they're starting Michael Porter jr. At the three and Paul Millsap at the four. So Aaron Gordon is obviously from an age and athleticism standpoint, an upgrade from Paul Millsap. So, and then I think JaVale McGee is a great backup center. I mean, Aaron Gordon, again, he's one of these guys, like he's, he's 25. And he's been in the league for like six years or whatever it is. So he's a veteran at 25. He's a big who can rebound the ball and take off. So now they have, you know, multiple guys who can rebound the ball and initiate offense. Like I think he's averaging like career high in assists this year. I think he's over like four and a half assists, which is great. He's shooting, I think, a career high from three, which is great. And kind of kind of along the lines of why the Bulls also did so well is that they didn't have to give up, you know, Michael Porter Jr. They didn't have to give up Bull Bull or anything like like any any of these. I wish they gave up Bull Bull. Any, I any want the guy to play. They're gonna they're gonna bring him out, man. They're gonna bring him out at some point. But, Never. Mike Malone hates him. I think he might hate him. He might hate him. But but he's gonna be one of these dudes. I'm telling you, he's gonna hit a big shot, or he's gonna t- he's gonna have a, a a huge moment in a playoff series. Like I I, I can feel it. I can feel it. Um. But I, I think I love the move. I love Aaron Gordon. And, th- you know, they, they, they got rid of uh, Gary Harris. Like, that was a contract that I guess, you know, they, they paid him early. And he's not a bad player, but, you know, Can't he's not. Healthy. Right. And they were ready to move on. They didn't have to give up, you know, any crazy pieces. This is a team that, you know, has, has gone on deep playoff runs. They've been a one seed in, in the West. You know, they, they're on like a solid three to four year run where they're a top two, three team in the West and you add a piece to, to next, next to Jamal Murray and Jokic. Like I love Aaron Gordon there. I love the fit. Um, he's dynamic. He's athletic. He can shoot. He can rebound. He can dribble. Like, yeah, he should help them defensively big time. 
in their front court too. Yeah, it's a great Javale McGee. Javale McGee, um, bro, like he did it. He did it for the Lakers last year, and he was one of these guys where he'd play the first like eight minutes in the first quarter, and then he wouldn't play again until you know the last half of the second quarter, stuff like that. Like they just need him for thirteen to fifteen minutes a night, and he he can help. He can help take some of that load off of Jokic. He can he can help like you know he's filling in. He's filling in a void where the Nuggets, that's that's what they needed. They needed to fill that void. And then on top, the cherry on top was Aaron Gordon. JaVale McGee, just the consummate professional veteran backup center at this point. Who would have thought? Um, my my only my last winner was the Mavs for getting JJ Redick the way they got him because the everyone anticipated JJ getting bought out and probably going to Brooklyn or Miami or like a content, like a, one of these teams that people, well, I don't know if people look at Miami as a contender, but definitely Brooklyn was the the team that people thought he was going to go to. They, their offense has not looked very good this year. And the Josh Richardson thing has not really worked out. I we've talked on here a lot about how we think Seth Curry is a big reason why, that offense has changed because they just haven't replaced him. I don't know where JJ's at in his career, but trading for him, they at least get a chance to see. And they gave up James Johnson, Wes Wundu, and a second round pick. So it's worth a shot. So it's a win to me with the caveat of, we don't know if he just fell out of the rotation with Stan or if he really can't play anymore. I mean, and it's it's tough to tell. Like like you said, it's tough to tell in New Orleans what the vibe is. Like, I didn't think New Orleans had a good offseason. I didn't think that the accumulation of players that they had going on on there necessarily made sense. And, like, JJ's a vet. Like, JJ's not one of these young, fresh-leg guys that they have over there in New Orleans. You know, it, it, it wouldn't be hard to fall out of that rotation because Stan is a very – Stan, like, you know – He's, he's historically known as a very demanding coach when it comes to, you know, what he demands of his players physically and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So, like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if that's kind of, like, a situation of why he would fall out of a rotation. And he, he just he, – he looked destined to the buyout market, and he looked like one of these guys who was going to get bought out and actually have an impact. Because more often than not, like – it's, it's hard to find a buyout person that, that, that makes an impact. And, and JJ seemed like he was going to be one of those guys. Yeah. So it's a good move for the Mavs. Uh, all right. We can, we'll go through, we, I mean, we got your two of your losers, which was Lakers and Sixers. I have a couple teams that I think lost, which is Toronto. And I guess more so I should say, and not necessarily Toronto as much as Masai, Ujiri specifically for, you know, look, I don't know what they're going to do with Kyle Lowry. This team is not good. And even if they can get it together and Kyle Lowry has like a revenge tour, this last, the second half after what just happened on trade deadline, like they're getting bounced in the first round, second round at the, at the latest, even if they make the playoffs and Masai, he gets Gary Trent and Rodney Hood for Norm Powell. So I guess that's fine because then now they don't have to pay Norm Powell. But then the whole Lowry situation where he was, there was obviously all of it was playing out through the media to try to drive up the price for Lowry. And every team called his bluff. He doesn't get anything for Kyle Lowry, who's on an expiring deal and is 35 years old, and also traded away 
arguably the best shooter on his team, Matt Thomas, and traded away Terrence Davis, who has been a decent player for them, to make room for the deal that I guess he thought was going to happen and got nothing back for it and then didn't make a deal. So he's a loser in that sense that every GM called his bluff and they're like, dude, we're just not, we're not going to give you what you want. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. And, and the Raptors are one of these teams too, that like, you see how quick things can change in the NBA. You know what I mean? You go from winning a championship three years ago or, and then all of a sudden the team is getting blown up. You know, you, you literally ran the whole course of the Kyle Lowry thing for, for, for a month plus. Like, oh, is he going to get traded? Oh, Kyle Lowry's been telling people he expects to get traded. They do the little farewell thing yesterday. He had the picture. You know, he's throwing up the peace sign. You know, you got, you got uh, Nick Nurse saying, you know, he's the best, you know, Raptor. He just plays hard. He's giving him, like, you know, he's, he's, he's serenading him with compliments, basically, like, walking him out to, to the exit sign. You have Drake FaceTime in a dude. Like, mm-hmm. it's literally everyone's expectation. And, and the expectation now at this point because of the buildup is that get, get something for him. Like, dude, this is a complete rebuild now. Like, I think, they have, I think they have a bunch of huge question marks in Toronto. Like, Masai is in a weird position with his contract, like whether he's coming back or not. And I think he goes from being a name your price guy to like, kind of like in a weird situation. I'm not saying that he couldn't go anywhere else, but like it's, it's, it's that whole franchise had like a very quick, like fall from grace. Like you had the little, like, yeah, it's not going to be a situation like where they, there was reports that the wizards were going to give Masai equity in the team to come run the team last year. Right. Right. And then you had the, like the pretty huge dust up with like uh, Pascal and Nick nurse the other day too, where like, it seemed like came back and had his probably one of his best games of the year, but yeah. Right. But like whenever you have, you know, the dude who you just gave a max contract to and then your your new coach, like, you know, something like that, where it's said that they had to be separated. And it's almost like, is there is it, is it irreparable damage? Like, yeah, there's a lot I, of stuff going on there. And I mentioned on here how the weirder thing about the Siakam Nick Nurse thing is that the report was that he got fined because he said things to Nick Nurse that crossed the line. And my question becomes. Who in the front, how did the front office find out? Like, right. did, and, and, and then is that a problem? Did Nick Nurse go to the front office and say, Pascal Siakam said this about me? You need to find him because Nick Nurse is not like filling out the fine sheet, you know? Like, that comes from the front office. So, how did the, unless someone from the front office was there when it happened, but I just, it happened after a game. So, I, like, I, you know what I mean? Like, that's a whole, that's a whole other aspect of it. I just don't understand. It's, it's a weird situation. It's a weird situation. And he got fined the maximum amount that a team is allowed to fine you. So you know they thought it was significant after they did got whatever. Fine, got fined the same amount as Myers Leonard. <laughs> Who got waived today, by the way. Yeah, he's... he's Rest in peace. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you'll see him on another NBA roster. Probably not. Not for a while. Not for a while. Um, we love... People love redemption stories, but I'm not sure that's going to be one of them. Um. Yeah, Toronto and Kyle himself. I, I was gonna say loser, like just in the sense of like you you talked about the 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 whole like farewell thing yesterday. So to go through all that, the whole being emotional and all that stuff, and then twenty four hours later, three teams that are trying to contend for an NBA championship said that you weren't worth Tyler Hero, Tyrese Maxey, or Taylor Horton Tucker. 
You know what I mean? Like that's got to be a kick in the ass if you're Kyle Lowry. Now, it could be a positive thing where he comes back and goes on this tear where he's like, all right, you want to see, I'll show you. But it's still got to be one of those things where like he probably feels some kind of way about the fact that he definitely left that game yesterday thinking he was done in Toronto for good. It's it's a waste in the sense that that we'll see like run was supposed to come on a contender. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if, if that we'll see run from Kyle Lowry comes on a team that's going to be a seven seed and get bounced in the first round, it's it's a waste. And then on top of that, like he he went through all these emotions. Like, dude, it's it's already hard being a top of the line athlete, and you know everything about being an athlete is a professional athlete is incredibly hard, and I don't think people understand it. But on top of that, he's human. Like he just had to go through all these emotions. Like he was leaving, he has to stay, and now he he's gonna have to go through those emotions again. You know what I mean? As the season winds down, like there's there's no contract. He's gonna be a free agent. He's not going back to Toronto. So he's going to have to go through that farewell again. It's, it's dude, like it's, it sucks. It sucks. Yeah. It's rough for him. Uh, all right. We'll wrap up here with everyone's biggest loser, the losers of the NBA season. And I hate to, I hate to see it because of my guy coaching down there, but the Rockets, uh, after this Oladipo trade today that netted them Avery Bradley and Kelly Olynyk and a pick swap that they will not get the final haul at this moment from the James Harden trade is Kelly Olenek, Avery Bradley, who I think is going to get bought out Dante Exum and four first round picks that are from the bucks and the nets. So they're all going to be late picks other than maybe 2026. If that team is rebuilding. So they traded the second best player in franchise history, one of the best scorers in the history of the game. They had an opportunity to get Karis LeVert and Jared Allen. It didn't get either of them and turned it into this. Um, It's going to go down as one of the worst trades in the history of the league. And their franchise is set back for years now. How does this happen? Like, I know they have a rookie GM. Like, so they have a new coach. They have a rookie GM. They- a rookie GM, though, that's been around, man. He worked with Daryl Morey for a long time. It's not like, yes, it's his first time doing it himself, but he's been around. Like, It's just, there's no way that that's what you can get. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's no way that that's what you can get. Like, look, look at what the Pelicans got for Anthony Davis. Like, a, a, a huge thing that happens in these situations is, you got to have the draft picks and you do you because you, draft picks are assets. And, and I think you reach a point where they get looked at too much, like with too much value in these situations, like, Oh, like if something happens, they will be a good pick that that's something rarely ever happens. You know what I mean? Like the, 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 the picks that the Pelicans are getting from the Lakers, they're not going to be good picks, but look at the players that they got in return. Yep. They immediately got an all-star in Brandon Ingram. They have Lonzo Ball, which I, for some reason I don't know why they don't love him because I see him. I love him. Next to, I, I see him next to, to Zion as like the perfect compliment. Like the dude could throw an alley from any point on the court, and he's he's he's, he's shooting seven threes a game, and he's shooting high percentage now. Like he's figured out the jumper, mm-hmm. and and he's a he's a plus defender. So I don't get it. But those are the you have to get something right away too. You have to get the assets, and you have to get something right away that you can that you can put on the court 
and you can show your fans like, look, like uh, the Rockets aren't going to show anyone Kelly Olenek. They're not going to show anyone the the twenty seventh pick in next year's draft or the thirtieth pick in the in the draft after that. Like, it's they're a huge losers. I, I do think I think part of the obsession with their draft picks is, um, the, again, I'm going to blame it on the media to an extent that we've a, a lot of media NBA media has sensationalized Sam Presti. I just, I got, I keep going back to Sam Presti, but everyone praises him for having 37 picks in the next seven drafts. Like that means anything. It doesn't mean shit. The guy hasn't drafted an all-star in over a decade. So the idea that everyone believes that Sam Presti is like a top GM in the NBA when since he drafted all those guys, in four straight drafts over a decade ago has not really accomplished anything and has lost every single trade he's made, but they keep praising him for getting all of these draft picks. That team is bad for a long time. now, And Shea Gilgis Alexander is a good player, but I, I do think that these young GMs come in and say, Oh, well there people are, you know, people see that as a success. So there is a blueprint to doing it. So let's just stack up, picks and i do understand like picks are like there are assets that are movable that don't cost a ton of money but that's not that blueprint has never been proven to work this whole stacking up tons of draft picks with no players and again we can point to pat riley as a perfect example he the heat always the heat always have opportunities to just trade away their players and, and get back picks and assets but somehow instead of hoping for the best in the future, they've built a program where they can bring players in and mold them and develop them. So they don't always have to hope on getting draft picks. They bring, they, they scout the league and they say, Oh, you don't like that guy. Okay. We'll take that guy and we'll make him work for us. And they stay relevant and the Spurs do it. Um, I'm trying to think, there's some other Dallas does it to an extent like Dallas is never really in a full rebuild mode that they've done a good job. Like they, they got Luca and they had Dirk, but they always, but again, it's the same thing that San Antonio did for a long time is they have their guy and then they're not going to rebuild and blow it up. They're going to find the pieces to fit or Miami has Jimmy and bam, they're going to find the pieces to fit or the big three when it happened. Um, but all these other teams, for some reason, they feel like, we have to just load up on draft picks and that if we're not going to win a championship, we have to completely blow it up. It, 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 it doesn't work. It's never proven to work. And, and I think Philly, I think the process kind of got people thinking that it works too, but that hasn't worked. Like as much as people think that, that, that for some semblance of that work, it has not worked. Joel Embiid is, is a great player and Ben Simmons is a good player. That's it. That's all that's left from that process. And it still hasn't won them anything. So the, the whole blowing it up from and, and just getting nothing other than draft picks is such a terrible, it's a problem in the NBA. I don't know how you fix it, but it's a problem in the NBA. Because now you have like three legit G League teams playing in the NBA this year, Orlando, Houston, and Oklahoma City. Another thing, and I, and I think... I think it goes off of what you just said when we were talking about Presley and we, we talk about Presley all the time too, with like this accumulation of picks and you can, you could throw the Rockets into the 
years now. They have four first round picks and five swaps. And, you know, OKC has 30 something picks in the next couple of years. And the whole idea has always been like when, when people question it, like, oh, like, who are you getting with these picks? Oh, well, like you can use all these picks to, to get a superstar. Okay, so let's go down the list of the last like handful of disgruntled superstars and tell me where they ended up getting traded to. James Harden got traded to where he wanted to go. Mm-hmm. The, the, the Nets weren't stockpiling picks. Anthony Davis got traded where he wanted to go. The Lakers weren't stockpiling picks. You know what I mean? Like these guys, like even now more than ever, like no one's saying I want to get traded to OKC. OKC is on my short list to get traded. And they already failed doing that. They did it with Paul George and it failed. It just doesn't make any sense, bro. It really doesn't make any sense. And I don't know. And, and to the point too, like if you're in a management role, like, okay, like Sam Presti, he has the reputation in the league. That's fine. But when, when, when do you have to, when do you get called and say, Hey dude, like, when do you have to cash in on this stuff? You know what I mean? Cause it, you, there's, you, there's not a fathomable way where you can draft 34 players in two years. Like you can't do it. So you have to turn things into something. Yeah. So and, and like, even if he packages a ton of those picks to move up and pick a guy, that doesn't mean that that guy's the next Kevin Durant. Like he, look, he went on an incredible run. You know, he drafted three straight first ballot hall of famers, three of the best players to ever play the game. Not going to happen again. It doesn't happen for anybody. It's, I'm not just saying him. He's not the only one that it's not going to happen for. Like that type of run of drafting year after year after year, just it just doesn't happen that way. So the idea that that could potentially happen again because you have 37 picks and maybe, and hey, by the way, maybe if you want, if that's what your plan is, maybe hire a worse coach because they're a little too good for that shit in Oklahoma city right now. <laughs> like um, maybe don't hire like another wonder kid type of coach or a Billy Donovan, like maybe hire some bum, <laughs> like hire a former player who just wants to do it to stay relevant and, and, and suck, you know, but I don't know, man. The, yeah, I'm with you. The draft stuff, the draft pick thing is a problem in the NBA. The, the stacking up of draft picks, especially when you can see other teams, not doing that and being successful. So it's just crazy. So Houston, not only the losers of this deadline, but potentially the one of the worst trades in NBA history now. It's crazy. Um, and it's crazy. It's even crazier that it happened with the Nets, who probably had the other worst trade in NBA history. You know, the, what was it? The, was it the KG trade, right? KG, Paul Pierce, yep. Where they gave up like 800 picks. That ended up, uh, like I said, I, I, I end up with the basketball reference, you know, transactions tab. One of those picks ended up being like Jason Tatum or something. I don't right, know. exactly. So, so, well, look, if you can end up getting, hitting on it, like the Celtics, but again, like the Celtics are another example where it's like the Celtics hit on those two guys and every other move they've made other than those two guys has been terrible. Other than... Marcus Smart, who's a good player, but that was a draft pick. Like, so they drafted three great players, and then every move they've made has been a, just a shit show since the last conference finals they went to. Like, they're that's, just a mess, you know. That's another thing too. Like, they, they, you, you could make an argument for them to be a loser, a trade deadline loser, and you yeah. can make that trade deadline loser argument for them over like the last two years because maybe three, yeah. 
Yeah. Again, this this could be a perfect case study on the teams that are successful, and you reeled up a couple a couple of them: the Heat, you know, the Spurs, the Mavericks. Like none of these teams stockpile picks; they see picks as as a as a means to an end. You know what I mean? Like Pat Riley traded two first round picks to get Goran Dragic. Like Goran Dragic, like he's a great player. He's going to be one of the best players in Heat history. He gave up two first round picks because that meant, you know, at the time teaming him up with with Wade and Bosh, you know, and he thought that that could like, those are the things that the, the successful teams do to remain successful. Like none of these teams that are at the top of the league right now have stockpiled picks and have hoarded picks to, to, to land a player. Like yeah. they, they didn't like all, most of these teams, the nets, it, it wasn't fathomable for them to put this team together. You know, for a long time, it was that the Lakers didn't have the assets to get Anthony Davis. They do like, and none of those teams, had this treasure chest full of picks. Like, uh, yeah. I don't know when that do, bubble is going to burst, but it needs to burst. I also do think uh, there is credit has to go not just to, you know, the, um, like the, the, the front offices, but the owners because of those teams. Because I do think that a lot of uh, executives in the league act out of fear of what the response will be from the ownership. Like a lot of them are, are operating not to get fired instead of to win where in places like Miami with miss with Mickey Harrison and uh, with the Holtz in San Antonio and, and whatnot. And Mark Cuban, like those guys aren't worried. Like they know, like they have the confidence of their owners to do what's best for the team. So if Pat Riley trades two draft picks for Goran Dragic and it doesn't work out, Mickey Harrison's not firing Pat Riley. But if um, if Ra- or Raphael Stone trades two draft picks for Goran Dragic in Houston and they're still a lottery team, then that's going to be held against him because it's his first time being a GM. You know, like so it, it credit goes to the owners too because there are a lot of shitty owners. They're, you know, it just so. Um, all right, dude. I think that's it for the deadline. I think we pretty much hit everything. Uh, Ruben Ruben talks kicks on Twitter sneaker sneaker king power rankings on CBS Sports every week. Anything else that we need to let the people know? That's it, man. Just uh, follow me at Ruben talks kicks on social. That's where you'll see all the latest uh, NBA sneaker content. Uh, and yeah, NBA sneaker king power rankings come out on the weekly basis. So uh, stay tuned for those. Yeah, next time when we don't have an entire deadline to go to run through. We'll do more actual sneaker talk on the show. Rube, appreciate you coming on, man. See you next time. Yes, sir. Anytime. All right, guys. See you on Monday. James Herbert, another CBS sports legend joining the program Monday. So look forward to that. Later, guys. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.